Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Hey, listen, I want to talk to you this morning about the Jonathan spirit. It won't be long. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to, take, I'm going to take this message and I'm, going to, I'm just going to cut it in half. And we'll have some more prayer. How about that? Would that be okay this morning? Uh, turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18. And we'll look at... Uh, yeah, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel 18. Awesome. Who's excited that uh, we've got a baseball game to watch this afternoon? Hopefully you're going to tape it or something, right? Do, don't we? Cleveland Indians play at one. Oh, come on. Yeah, you're going. I said tape it. This is a pop quiz. Tape it, then go to the open house. Right? <laughs> hey, just go ahead and stay there for a minute. And uh, I want to talk to you uh, from a New Testament scripture, and then we'll get there. How about that? Does that sound good? All right, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake, whose sake? Our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. This should not be a surprising scripture to you. We've been kind of touching it off and on the last couple of months. And the awesomeness of how Jesus and what Martin Luther calls the great exchange. Jesus exchanged his place so that we could take his place and he would take ours. The awesomeness and probably what fry the egg in your brain the most, it does mine, is that he became sin. That, that, I can't, I can't fathom that. But he that knew no sin became my sin so that I might be his righteousness. And I want to talk to you about how God exchanges in that this morning. And it's a little bit of typology in the story of Jonathan. You can see it there in our text. Jonathan was the prince. He was royalty. And yet David is, of course you know, is anointed for the throne. Now, there should be some competition. There, there should be some type of competitiveness here. We, we should see in the story two guys clawing for the same position, but we don't. We see a great exchange. And we see in the life and the spirit of Jonathan what we all must have, because the spirit of Jonathan is the spirit of Jesus. Jesus took our place so that we can have His. He imputed His righteousness to us. That means to be clothed in it. Think about this for a minute. It's not something that we're able to produce for ourselves, and yet we're able to put it on. You know, you you, you got to put this on. And so, and Jesus provides it, and what Jesus has as righteousness now covers our sin, It atones for us, if you will. And in that atonement, we now become the righteousness of God through Him. So the same Spirit is between Jonathan and Jesus. And you see a a typolitical moment here in Scripture. Any NASCAR fans out there? Like like four, okay? This illustration is going to stink, I guess. 
right? Uh, but in NASCAR, they, they call it the draft, okay? You know, aerodynamically, I've got a professor of aerodynamics <laughs> in here, so I better get it straight. But, but uh, anyway, the, one of the cars, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of Ricky Bobby here, okay? I'm sorry, I'm not very smart. But anyway, the, you, you get your partner to go right ahead, brother, come on. And he goes ahead and he creates a draft. And then what you do is you get behind your partner, right? And then that draft now creates a slingshot effect so that you can jump out towards the end. And now you exchange places. You exchange places. Somebody else, don't get this the wrong way, broke wind. Don't keep, keep your mind on Christ here. Somebody else, right, makes the path, gets it ready, and now you're able to, you're able to slingshot into another position. This is what Jonathan does for David. This is what Jesus does for you. you you've heard this. It's really old. I mean, it's, it, it's older than this church, but a lot of pastors have talked about how, how geese fly, and they fly in this V formation, Right? And, 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 and how everybody wants to be the leader and everybody wants to be the most known, but it's really in, in that V formation, they're the ones that are causing the slingshot effect. They're the ones that are creating or taking on the draft so that everyone else now doesn't have to flap as hard and everyone else can get to the destination. I just, I just wanted to, Jonathan should have been upset that David was anointed. You don't see him saying anything about that. In fact, we get some really poor revisionist scholar theology today, real liberal revisionist scholar theology, where it says where they were knit together. Well, that must have been some kind of strange relationship. There was nothing strange about it. It was typolitical of Jesus Christ and his church, how we come together in a great exchange. Jesus calls his disciples Friends, God calls Abraham friend. Jonathan was deep friends, covenant friends with David. So much so, and you'll find it in the passage. I'm not going to read it all, but you'll find it in the passage that he knows he's anointed, and he says, come here, come here, come here, come here. You smell like the pasture, I, I, but I know you're headed to the palace. You, listen, your revelation doesn't match your destination. Right? Because because God's got bigger things for you, but where you're at right now, your place right now is different than the promise. See, you're down to no, nothing, but God is up to something. And, and, and listen, you're going to need some things to have the protocol of the palace. You're going to need to be clothed. You're going to need to be equipped. You're going to need some things because you smell like sheep dung and anointing. You know they mix? That's the, that's the irony of being called. You get called and anointed early. For David, 15 years too early. Or no, 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 sorry. Right on time. Right? But, but still early. The... the the, the revelation in the situation didn't match. His situation was different than his revelation. And maybe you're there today. Maybe you know God's promised you some things for your life. 
Maybe you know God's promised you some things from his word for your health and for your marriage, for your family. Even called you to do things. And, it, and it's, you smell sheep dung in your situation, but your revelation says anointed. You have a calling, but it's not in the place of the crown yet. You're, in the, you're a tweener. You're in between. I, listen, I'm not preaching about something I haven't experienced. Because, because, because revelations and callings and anointings, they come early. I love the fact that in Galatians, it says this about Jesus. It says, when the fullness of time had come, what? God said His Son, when it was right on time. You know what was going on then? There was 400 years of no word. From Malachi to Matthew, silence. And then the very word of God, shabang, shows up. How's that for How's that for a big deal? Yeah. Boom shakalaka, man. Right on time. But it shows up as a baby. 30 years early, he's called. 30 years early, he's anointed. He's, he was Christ at birth. Christos means anointed. You, you get me? He's Christ at birth. But it took 30 years. And he shows up. Well, I, I imagine that stable smelled like dung too. How's it smell in your life right now? Is there a mixture of anointing and a poopy smell? You, oh, you can't say that in church. Some of you are like, oh, there he goes. He's using those words. Those words. Can't say poopy. I, listen, I got to father three children. I'm pretty good at the poopy smell. I know that deal. I'm ready to be a grandpa, man. Come on, hallelujah. Right? Right? But, 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 but here's the deal. Um, I'm not, I don't want to go through that again. So I hope that if my kids drop the kids off, what I hope that they do is, is stay long enough to deal with the diapers. It won't happen. You guys, you guys have been somewhere I haven't. You're my Jonathan. You can equip me for something I don't know about yet. Because you go through it again, I guess, right? It gets, the lesson gets repeated till it's learned. I got it. I got it. David shows up and he doesn't have anything to go into. He doesn't, he, he, he's not equipped. He doesn't have protocol to enter the palace. He's from the pasture. He's got, a, he's got a revelation that doesn't match his situation. And then there's a friend that shows up that loves him so much to make covenant with him that he takes off his robe, he takes off his tunic, he takes out his sword, he equips David with all the stuff he has and changes places. And then I think about what we're all called to do by Christ. As soon as you think you've arrived, it's time for the great exchange. As soon as you think you're at the palace, it's time for a handoff. You're only in that position in the race to create a draft.
not even like actually preaching the actual message. I just want to talk, I'm, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be even more real than I usually am. I feel compelled to do it. I'm going to make it, some of you are like, oh no, get a deacon. It's like we've, <laughs> we've had some Sundays already. You know what, there, it's okay to be bold and it's okay to be, it's okay to have a, uh, it's okay to have a lion spirit. You, you understand? Did you know lions never walk flat-footed? They're always on their tippy-toes. That's where I want you. I want you on your tippy-toes. I want you going, oh, what's next? God does too, because it's going to require faith. And I just want to talk to you about that, that kind of, uh, I don't know, you're, you're, that kind of predator eye set, eye set. You, you, you see, prey has eyes on the side of their heads, so they can always be looking What's going to chase me? Come here, Casey. Okay. Let's pretend. <laughs> Come on up, buddy. <laughs> he's like, oh, dear Lord. All right. Let's pretend for a minute he's the lion. Give me your best lion. Oh. Okay, great. There we go. I, I, I'm convinced. Are you? All right. So, so what's, proof, what's proof that I'm not prey is that I don't have eyes back here. I've got eyes right here. So what am I doing running? What am I doing running? Hi. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I need. So God has called you to places where you're going to have to face all types of problems that will line up and stand up against the promises. You don't think Saul was a problem? You don't think Goliath was a problem? You don't think all the other giants were a problem? And before we faced Saul, and before we faced Goliath, and before we faced all the other giants, in fact, we kill them all off, that was really David's calling to make the, to, to cause... The, the, the land of Israel to be giant-free to produce the Messiah. Okay? You, you understand? And then he had too much blood on his hands to finish the temple, so Solomon got to do that. And we see another great exchange. But David has to face all of these things, but he starts with lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. That prepared him to start thinking like a predator, not prey. To turn and face things because your calling and your anointing in the places that you're going to has a series of problems and a series of giants in front of them and you've got to be willing to face those things. Stop running! Stop running. And to, and to get there, you've got to, be, you've got to have this, this lion-hearted spirit to be able to do it. The Psalms even speaks of David's heart like a heart of a lion. We know that Jesus later is the lion of the tribe of Judah. In Proverbs, it says that, it says that, uh, that those that are worried and full of anxiety, they'll stay in the house because they'll, they'll say there's a lion in the streets. But the bold go out and face. Come on, are you bold? So you need this, you need these, 
giants in your life and you need these obstacles in your life because they prepare you and they train you for where God's called you to be. But you don't just need that, you need Jonathan's. You need equippers. And some of you, I just want to, I want to unpack, before we go into some prayer here, I want to unpack for you what's going on here with your pastor. Because I'm in my 14th month, and you're kind of watching me pastor a little bit, and you're going, this is weird. Some of you are. I see you doing it. You're like, it's kind of weird. Because um, you're, you're like spending lots of time with key people, and what are you doing with these people? What are you doing? Um, I'm being Jonathan. I'm doing what Jesus did. Before he went out into ministry, he recruited a team. Then he did ministry. Could he have done it by himself? Yes. Can I? No. Why did he do it? Why did he do it that way? To show an example of how ministry should run. To, 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 uh, (laughs) to, uh, to be that lead car only for a moment, to slingshot those, didn't he say greater works you'll do? So I'm going to go ahead only for a moment so that I could slingshot you boys into the position you need to be. And so sometimes you get a pastoral ministry that has a season that looks a certain way. You get another pastoral ministry that looks another way. My pastoral ministry is different. The way that I do pastoring is simply this. I look for key people and I position them. There, I let it all out of the bag. You see my cards? There it is. That's what I do. And I'm just going to call some guys up right now. They don't even know I'm going to do this. But listen, the Bible says be instant in and out of season, boys. And right now they're nervous because they know who they are. You see, these are my Davids, not my Jonathans. That's not the way to pastor. That's also not the way to lead. Did you know with your kids that's not the way to lead? Your kids are potential Davids. You be Jonathan. You're saying, what are you talking about here? The hierarchy is backwards. I'm talking about the upside-down kingdom of God. I'm talking about how it really works. You see, you want to raise adults, not kids. Does that sound crazy? So they stand on your shoulders and should go farther. So you equip them. Man, am I going to get an amen one? You equip them and you robe them and you center them so that their lives out magnify for God what your lives do. Okay, so Mark Holcomb, come on down, sir. Yeah, give him a hand. Come on, Mark. He's like, what? Yeah. And uh, Pete Mosier, come on, Pete Mosier. Come on, you good looking man. Awesome, and, and uh, yeah, come on, Tyler Sell. You, yeah. Mm. Come on, Chad Lee. <laughs> now, I, I want you to see already the difference in size. I'm going this way. They're all going that way, which is awesome, man, you know. But I'll tell you why I'm going this way, because I spend every week with these guys eating lunch and breakfast. So that's why I'm going this way. But these are my Davids right now. This is what I'm doing. It's intentional. It's not, I'm not going, well, you know, pick up a check. Well, what are we going to do this week, honey? Well, I guess I'll preach this, thumb through some file somewhere, find some message that worked for me 10 years ago. That'll work. That'll, they'll get excited about this one. 
It's intentionality. And it's not about building your ministry on you. It's about building the body of Christ. And so it's about intentionally recruiting, just like Jesus did. I never let none of these guys, all these guys, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna, I don't want to make you mad because you're all bigger than me, but did, uh, none of these guys were, were at a place where they came up and said, hey, by the way, did, did you know I'm anointed? Let me do something. I don't, I don't believe in volunteers. There's a better word, recruits. Jesus didn't volunteer anybody. He said, Jesus didn't say, hey, do I have any volunteers to take the nursery for me? This, am I preaching anybody? Because you know what volunteerism is? You know what it is? People show up and they go, well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go do it. Because they, oh, the whole world's going to fall apart unless I do. Here's the difference. That's a, that's a volunteer. A recruit says, wait a minute here. God's called me. If I don't show up, there won't be a moment for somebody. So it's on me. 